Hello and welcome. Today for my mapping tour, I'm going to take you to the most visited living history museum in America. It's the living history museum that nearly every American has visited, and yet we are unaware of its importance as we go about our day. It's something we rarely think about unless we are in the proper setting. I'm talking about, of course, cemeteries. Here in America, we have a very interesting relationship with cemeteries. When we are not attending a funeral or actively visiting a gravesite, our perception of cemeteries is one of fear and doom. But cemeteries were long designed to be places of peace and reflection, a place where families could have picnics and spend a fun afternoon goofing around. So why and how did that change? Without a significant cemetery law in America until the 1850s, we somehow developed the macabre facade that we are familiar with today. Is it Americans' fear of death? Is the thought of not existing so scary that we cannot comprehend death correctly? Are cemeteries really places where spiritual beings walk around at night? And why is there still such a debate on how we should handle the dead? Undoubtedly, cemeteries are living museums. Walking through gravestones is a look back into the past, a sometimes startling reminder that our present has not always been the only reality. During this podcast, I'm going to take you to three different cemeteries in Utah. I chose each cemetery carefully, and they are meant to reflect our different perception and interactions with cemeteries. And through it, you will see how a multi-layered past has created our idea of death today. Without further ado, let's begin. Here we are at the Provo Cemetery. The Provo City Cemetery is one of the oldest and the largest in Utah. Here you'll find a lot of old pioneers and founders of Utah, but also a lot of people from our modern age. Currently, this cemetery is going under a restoration and expansion program, and will have thousands of more lots added to it within the next decade. But what's most interesting about this cemetery is that it is reminiscent of a time when cemeteries were meant to serve as parks. Families would often come out and have picnics besides the gravestones of their ancestors. It's clear by the amount of trees and the age of trees that shade was a thought in the designers' minds. They wanted this to be a welcoming environment. However, as I sit here on a Thursday afternoon, there's very little activity. From the people that I've observed visiting this site, they stay for a very short amount of time. There's definitely an air of respect and somberness, but there's not really any play that might have once been imagined. As I move through the cemetery, I'm gonna go visit one of the most visited gravestones, that of Philo T. Farnsworth, who invented the television and lived right here in Utah. He died in 1971, but his gravestone is really well maintained. And it's interesting as you look at gravestones that are older or from around the same time period, 
you can clearly see that they haven't had the same kind of care and attention. People have argued that this gravestone is a little bit like a tourist stop or Provo Cemetery's claim to fame. And it's clear that there's a lot of visiting here. As I look at it now, as I sit here beside it, there are little flowers and writings. Um, so it's true, it's a little bit of a claim to fame. Now I'm gonna go ahead and do a popular cemetery activity, if you can call it that. And that is gravestone rubbing. That is where you take a thin piece of paper and a pencil, you lay it over the gravestone, you take your pencil and you simply lightly rub it along the paper. What it does is it picks up the imprint from the gravestone and allows you to have almost a perfect image of what the gravestone looks like without having to take a picture. This way you get to see sort of how the etchings and markings look, the state that it's in, and it's actually pretty effective. A lot of people will do this when searching for certain religious iconography or stonemasonry symbology. Um, and it's, it's a popular activity that people will travel across the country to do. It's an interesting draw to cemeteries, but one that does speak to historians on a personal level because it's often used for genealogy and other similar pursuits. Here we are now at the Pleasant Grove City Cemetery. Now, I specifically chose this cemetery for this tour because I think its location has a really interesting history. Walking around the Pleasant Grove Cemetery is definitely a different experience than the Provo City Cemetery. In the Provo City Cemetery, I was very aware of what kind of place I was in, and I knew to be quiet. Here, it seems a little less regulated. Plants and items, uh, fake plants, are placed all over the headstones, and there doesn't seem to be much of a authoritative presence to keep it clean. Um, it's much more noisy here, if you probably noticed. They have very few sound barriers in place to mitigate the effects of airplanes, the busy street nearby, the neighborhood parties that are occurring right now. Overall, it's just a much more passive feeling. The Provo Cemetery was much more intentional in its presence. Now, why would I choose Pleasant Grove Cemetery? It's certainly not the largest. It doesn't really hold any claim to fame. It's not the most beautiful of cemeteries, but its location is what seems to be the most interesting aspect of this cemetery. It sits within a residential neighborhood, but more importantly, as I stare across the street, I'm looking at Pleasant Grove High School. To me, this is very interesting. 
that high schoolers, as they look out the window, are literally met with headstones and funerals and people visiting grave sites. It just doesn't seem like it'd be the norm to place a cemetery right by a high school. It was only after calling the city itself that I discovered the reason for that. Ready for this? It's because the land was cheap. Back in 1912, it was clear that Pleasant Grove needed a high school as their residential numbers went up, but the city didn't have a lot of money. Turns out, many public places don't want to be next to a cemetery, but Pleasant Grove High School was willing to be built right there. What's interesting about this is that it tells us about our perception of cemeteries. Even as early as the 1900s, we were placing less value on the location of other buildings in relation to cemeteries. Now, if we look at old time England and even in the east part of the United States, you'll notice that cemeteries are in the hearts of cities, right near important buildings or important residential avenues. One that comes to mind, of course, is Trinity Church, where a lot of Union Civil War soldiers were buried. But here in the West, we had already changed our perception of cemeteries. People don't want to live by them because they're scared of them. And the same can be said about building important places near them. One interesting tidbit about the Pleasant Grove City Cemetery is that it sits at just a slight incline. Back in the 50s, this proved to be a bit of a problem for the city because the water started running off into the city's water. Now, today, gravestones and um, caskets are, are buried in concrete. And this is done for a few reasons. This is done to uh, keep the ground level so that maintaining and mowing the grass is easy and, and flat, but also to stop the runoff of water going into the main water sources. Um, Formaldehyde is generally used to embalm people, and if it gets into the water, it can be toxic. So at one point, Pleasant Grove City was worried about this and, and had to uh, dig up many of the already existing gravestones. Um, so it's kind of interesting. You won't see too many cemeteries built on hills, and if they are, they're heavily regulated by the city. Here we are in our final cemetery, the Salt Lake City Cemetery. This is the oldest cemetery in Utah, and it is massive. It's uh, interconnected with many different types of cemeteries. So you have um, the Catholic Church that has their own cemetery here, but it's also filled with many famous early Utah pioneers, um, early founders of Utah. Overall, it's just a very large, very impressive cemetery. As I walk around here, the thing that I notice again are all the trees. And actually, Salt Lake City has done a lot of mapping and tour creation for visiting these trees and understanding the different types of them. 
In terms of mapping, they've also made great lengths to make tours to visit famous Utah pioneers or just to visit important locations within the cemetery. Right now I'm walking towards what is one of the most famous gravestones, that belonging to Porter Rockwell, who was the bodyguard to both Joseph Smith and to Brigham Young. Okay. Yeah, you can definitely tell that this is a very visited gravestone. There are coins all around it. There's, it's really funny, they have actually um, a bottle of Porter Rockwell's Porter's Fire liquor with flowers in it. Uh, there's also um, a golden plaque that says faith in every footstep. And it's, uh, it's a commemorative pioneer plaque. Um, it's pretty old. You can tell that this has gone under some restoration but it's, it seems to be the original carvings and, and stone used to create it. In terms of location of the historic Salt Lake City Cemetery, it was first established in the 1850s, but its location is very intentional. It overlooks the entire Salt Lake City Valley. It's right up against the foothills here, and it seems to be designed as a retreat. Um, once again, there aren't as many visitors as you would expect. It's Saturday in the middle of the day, and there are cars dotted here and there, but it's it's quiet. It's, it is filled to the brim, and yet there there's, there's very little activity, even though there are designated self-walking tours for people to come and, and visit. Still here in the Salt Lake City Cemetery, up in the very northeastern corner, right as they're mowing the lawn, so you'll probably hear them. But I've come to visit one of the most famous gravestones here. That that belongs to a woman by the name of Lily E. Gray, who died in November of 1958. Here's what makes her gravestone so interesting, is the epitaph that's written on it. The gravestone itself is red granite. It looks pretty unimposing and it's flat to the ground. But it says, Lily E. Gray, victim of the beast, 666. Over the years, this has gotten a lot more traffic as ghost hunting tours have become more popular and more famous. People will often come to visit this site in the middle of the night and uh, take recordings. The history of Lily Gray is a little shady. There's not really an explanation as to why her gravestone would say something like this. It was chosen by her third husband. You can tell it's been visited. It has more on it than any other gravestone I've seen here so far, including a lot of the famous pioneers. Um, pine cones, flowers, coins. It's got branches that kind of curve around the gravestone. It, it's, it's a well and frequently visited gravestone. This is also one of the older parts of the cemetery. It goes right up against the foothills. Um, actually, coming up to visit this one, there was a little bit of a line to see her. So it's interesting that cemeteries aren't just about um, respect. 
and death. We've, we've definitely adapted them to become sort of a, an entertainment zone, especially visiting cemeteries at night. So there you have it. What our Utah cemeteries can show us is the way that we do and that we did perceive them in the past. Will cemeteries ever regain their more peaceful trope, or will we continue to view them with fear while simultaneously placing our loved ones there? Thank you for joining me today in visiting America's most visited living history museum.